0: Welcome to Systemize Your Success, I'm Dr. Steve Day. I had the privilege of being interviewed recently on Josh Keegan's podcast, The Ultimate FD. He grilled me on everything systems, outsourcing, virtual assistants, on the pros and cons of using remote teams, on how to delegate effectively and keep people accountable, and to how to measure their success and keep the whole business ticking over like clockwork. I think this is an absolutely great interview, which summarizes so much of the stuff that I love to share. And I want to share this with you as a special episode here on this podcast. So here is the recording of the interview done with Josh Keegan on the Ultimate FD podcast.
1: So the first question I've got for you is, what beliefs do you have about working with virtual teams that generally other people don't seem to share?
0: Oh, start off with an easy one then, Josh. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, good question. I think one of the key things, we actually came up with when we were sort of just chatting about what we we're going to talk about on this episode, and it's this word of virtual assistance. And I think that leads people into having a certain mindset or belief about what somebody can do that they happen to hire virtually and it's a, a an opinion that i've built up over the years because i've seen the the capabilities of people that work remotely and if we if you think about it it's sort of it, it's common sense but just because someone lives in a different country doesn't mean they're any different from anybody else but we have this sort of this thing that we're going to hire a virtual assistant but in no organization chart in the world to my knowledge anyway there is on their organization chart a little box for a virtual assistant. It's either a marketing assistant or a, a social media assistant or a operations assistant. And, and so when we're hiring or thinking about hiring someone virtually or remote or whatever word you choose to think about it, is is this belief of what somebody can do can be actually quite dictated by the, the name we give that, the label we give that. And so we started off literally just hiring assistants. So they weren't, in effect, virtual assistants, but they did stuff in the business and they had a certain role or certain uh, responsibilities. And so we gave people proper titles and that made a big difference, I think, in the way that I felt about them as as, as individuals and saw their value. And then, but going forward, like moving on now, we're probably going to cover, cover this more in, in detail, is like like the roles that people that work virtually now for myself, but also our clients, they have, a, a far outgrow any concept of what a virtual assistant could or couldn't do. So running entire departments, whether it's, you know, I've got clients that have um, estate agencies and like running the entire lettings management or the, um, the, uh, the client, uh, success part of the program or the property management or whatever it is, or the operations management as well. It's like, they like, so, so virtual staff are running the entire show as if they were managers or, you know, the, um, whatever level that you would hire somebody typically in, in a mindset of like a normal traditional company, and just replacing those with someone that happens to work virtually or remotely. And I think that is probably the biggest belief or mindset shift that I've had to make or have made. And it helps people understand the potential. Um, And that's a, a real limiting factor. I think when a lot of people get into this idea of hiring their first remote worker so yeah that's that's definitely one of the. and
1: you've seen like you've been doing this you've been talking about this for like a long time now since seven years how long seven seven years seven years um so you've been talking about this for seven years and obviously you've gone on a big journey from basically working with people that just want to get their first va in place the first virtual assistant or the first virtual staff member all the way to now where you're consulting companies who've got big teams of these you know virtual workers in their business almost running the business for them What's surprised you? Like, is it have you seen things that you've gone, wow? Like, I wasn't expecting it to work as well as that. That's that's the next level. What what things have you seen that your clients have done? You're like, wow, this is this is a whole new level.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, I'm, I, you know, you 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 sort of plant the seed, not knowing what's going to grow out of it and 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 it's that sort of like so you give people this this idea of like try this out, you know, it's it's fantastic. I've had a great experience of it. but then seeing what other people do with this information you give them and the, these these skills or these this um confidence to go out a go is fantastic. And so you know I've got one example I've probably been at quite a lot because he's a, a good he's been working with me for about three years now, a guy called George and so I've interviewed him on my podcast a few times. and he's now got a team of six in the Philippines and he's actually now hiring more and a team of five in the UK. When I started out with him, he had four in the UK and no one remotely, and yeah. so those people in the Philippines now actually run the entire business, and the people in the UK are either really boots on the ground, so they're the client interaction. They're the, he's a state agent, so the client interaction, going out to viewings, you know, doing the stuff that physically needs to be done in the UK, and okay, they do you know a few other things as well, of course, but the, the operational side of things, so. The, uh, the things I mentioned before, so like uh, the lettings, bringing people, the whole lettings management, the property management, maintenance management, the, the sales and marketing, the client success, the um, everything you can imagine is now done by this team that he's built up using our recruitment process to then find good people and then actually just pointing them into positions where there's a good values match. And so they find the right seat for somebody, exactly the same process you go through in any hire. It's you don't just hire somebody, you know, and they happen to, you know, that they're brilliant out the gate. Sometimes you have to think, OK, well, where is this person's skill set line? Getting them into a role that really complements their strengths. And that can take a little bit of time as well. And so I've seen from like example and others, it's just like the, the I always thought, well, I've always known this is possible because this is what I do. But then that's easy for me to say because it's sort of what I do for a living now. But then seeing other people who this isn't their passion, it's not the thing they think about like every minute, waking minute of the day, but just giving them the tools to actually like just get started with this and then realize that actually it really, really doesn't matter where somebody is located in the world these days. And actually, there are huge benefits of working with people in different cultures. There's some challenges as well, but there are huge benefits. And I think leveraging those benefits and understanding, how to get the best out of those remote teams is the key to that success, like for Georgia's and other people as well.
1: Do you see much from like your client's financial perspective as in um, you know, a typical letting agency makes 20% margin and as a result of them going overseas, they make 50%. Like do you see those kind of tangible results as well?
0: Yeah, I mean let's look at the figures like I don't know the percentages, you know, from that side because I don't get dig into the finances mm. like you do with businesses. But from a like just a common sense perspective about the cost of staff and so if you hire somebody you know from the uk whatever sort of a manager level like you're going to be looking at 35k plus for someone who's any good that same person from somewhere like the philippines will be costing you a 10 grand and so there's a 20 plus grand saving per hire if you're looking at a slightly higher level and 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 the same the same the same as are pretty similar when you're hiring somebody, so sort of assistant type level. And so it doesn't take you know a financial director to uh, to figure out that actually if you're you're paying a third less for your staff, your profit margins are going to go up. But also just spinning off on that, so if one of the challenges that I've no, I've experienced myself and also is is is, you know, well documented in the small business world. So going like micro business, trying to get that team in place, trying to actually remove yourself from the day-to-day and and get to that point where you can scale to seven figures and beyond. Like one of the biggest challenges is is this um revenue versus expenditure is it like I really need to hire more staff because they were totally overworked, but I can't afford it. And then so working with people virtually. Even if you don't end up with right now a much bigger profit margin, because what you do instead is reallocate the resource you would have, say, used to hire two people, you've now got a team of six. So yeah. what you can do and the potential for your business, business growth is you know exponential, whereas it may not be an immediate profit return, but then the yeah you know, the potential future profit returns are so much bigger because now you can actually grow far quicker and scale more
1: easily. So let's get into that then because I think recruiting any team is is hard. I'd say I think it's probably a bit easier if you're sitting in an office with them all day, every day. I mean, there's pros and cons of that, like, but but generally, if you're sitting around your team, you're there to answer questions, you can kind of hear the conversations they're having on the phone, you've got the ability to kind of touch base and have those quick conversations with them. Obviously, the way that a lot of people are going now, the way you advocate is more in that kind of virtual teams uh like spread globally what are the actual challenges of getting that high performance team in place in practice
0: yeah i think a lot of it is to do with how you think about your interactions with your team members so few and fewer businesses are having their staff sat next to them 100% of the time you know my wife for example she works for one of the big accountancy firms they went from 100% in the office to COVID being zero to now like 20%. And that's like, you know, it's not just the big companies that are doing it. It's like, it makes financial sense not to have an office if you don't need one. So this idea of how do you build this this cohesive team culture when people are working remotely isn't just for people who are thinking about virtual assistants. It's for modern business in the UK or anywhere else. Because of this now, much more flexible work environment where we are I think office sizes are like the the use of the office in that environment will be will be less and you mentioned a couple of things there like you know overhearing conversations or just you know being there to answer questions and stuff and that's good and bad so you can get yourself involved in stuff at a point when maybe you shouldn't if you're there all the time listening stuff, you're also being massively distracted from your high value work if you're constantly trying to actually put your ear to the ground and hear what's going on and, and, and keep on the pulse of things. And and you can actually end up sort of getting in the way of people just just having a go and, and getting on with stuff because you are there to answer the questions too. So giving people like the confidence or to be independent, to actually to to take total ownership of what they're doing can sometimes be hindered if you are available. So one of the things I talk about in when you're building a, a remote team culture or a culture of continual improvement is about making yourself unavailably available. And what I mean by that is like you did, by not being on back and call and sitting there on Slack answering messages like every time they they fire in means that you can then actually focus, and it means your team have to actually think. And by allowing them to think to solve solutions rather than give you problems. The work is then done by them and the brain work or some of the brain work at least is done by them rather than all going like, oh, you fix it because you know how. Like As a business owner, we can fix most problems. Like, that's why we probably started businesses because we, we like fixing problems. But as you start scaling and growing, you can't fix everybody's problems. You have to empower the staff to think and come up with solutions. And then, you know, if they need a sense check on the solution, fine. But allow them to do some brain work. And so don't to go on how we just set up the, the meeting to sort of structure to allow this to happen would that be useful
1: yeah Gosh. i'd love to go i totally agree by the way like when i had the the office with the team in but like my my number one objective was to stay out of the office so <laughs> i totally totally agree with the sentiment because otherwise you just get every question comes in your door and you can't can't focus and concentrate but yeah it'd be really good to talk through like culture i'm in a place myself where my business now is very virtual. Um, Philippines, South Africa, Gloucester, like just just all 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 around. It's like one of the biggest concerns is how do we get the team, like seeing from the same same him sheet, all on the same page, like all, all wanting to do well, all wanting the company to do, or well, all wanting each other to do well. When in reality, it's some of these people will never meet each other properly in 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 their lives.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, and I think it's one of the biggest. I fear is the right word, but challenges that people people think there will be, um, and we've struggled with it in the past, and we've come up with a sort of a set of of general meetings that we have to try to actually overcome some of those challenges. And so, a few things we do, like one thing is we have a check in every day, and depending on the size of the organization, you have to decide of. Like, is this going to be a departmental check-in or is this going to be a, you know, a whole team check-in? And 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 it makes sense, you know, if you've got more than six people in, in the meeting, it can drag on. And it's that sort of like, you know, you have to, you have to, it's horses for courses, like how big these meetings are. But for us, we're, we're a pretty small team. And for, you know, the example I said before, Georgia's, we do this, they do this all in one. So you get everybody in in the morning for a quick check-in. It's called Daily Stand-Up. And it's taken from, um, I think it's from Gina Whitman from, uh, um, from. from attraction. Uh, and it talks about the stand-up because you want it to happen quickly. So he does it actually physically standing up. But we've adopted this same idea is like literally it's just like, you know, what challenges do you, you've got? Do you need anyone else to support your or do you need to interact with anyone else today to get your work done? You know, what are you actually focusing on today? And as a business owner, if you're still doing this in a in a in a micro environment, it's a great opportunity to to get people to actually interact and say, right, you need to speak to that person and you need to coordinate you know, sort of out meeting and it allows you to also feel the pulse of what people are working on is everyone actually still working in the direction you thought they were going to be have they understood the priorities of the work based on you know, everything that's going on and because you're doing it together you can then share those priorities for the benefit of everybody and that's a super quick meeting like three minutes per person so like typically a you know, 10 15 20 minute maximum but doing that allows everyone to get together and see each other on the same in the same Zoom room every single day as well. And sort of like, hey, good morning. You know, it's that sort of nice coffee uh, around the, the water fountain sort of for, sort of chat. Um, but it's done quick and it's done with a purpose.
1: Nice. OK, so and, daily meeting, uh, three yeah. minutes person and then they're sharing what they're working on that day or what challenges yeah. they've got. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Simple. And then the other ones are like, we have a company meeting, which is actually around the values, the mission, the culture of the company. And that is a getting together and sharing wins, sharing screw-ups or misses, as we call them, um, sharing um, how – so we, t- we talk about company values and we go, actually go through them um, alongside the company mission and our vision. And we then talk about, okay, so based on pick a value – like this morning, for example, what I did was we did pick a value. So this is right, pick a value, pick one. Right, okay, how in the past week have you demonstrated that you've you've your behavior has supported your belief in this value? And how could it be improved? Or the other way to do it is um, to begin with. That's quite challenging, especially with people say from the Philippines, because they sometimes don't like talking about themselves very much. So you ask them, okay, how, what have you witnessed in someone else in the company that has um, shown that they have behaved in a way that supports the values? And so we're constantly going back to our values, and we're constantly, like the reason for our company's existence is our mission, but how we get there is our values. And if people aren't on board with that, and they're not buying into the fact that we're a value-driven business, then they're not right for our business. But the people that are then come together because of the values. And so that's a really useful way to to get people, like you use the word singing from the same same hymn sheet. It's about actually getting people believing in the per, in 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 the, what they're doing actually has purpose and they're doing it in a way that 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 really resonates with them as a person and their own internal values. So
1: you, do you know anything else about beyond that? Do you mean like socials or like?
0: Yeah, so we have something called a company win thread. So we have a Slack channel called Company Wins, a Slack channel called Company Misses, and that's about sharing, you know, ownership of problems. One of our values is about poking the box from um, uh, Seth Godin. And one of the things that he, uh, we talk about is, uh, you know, taking risks and owning your mistakes. And so actually people are actually sharing how they're actually trying to do stuff, even if it goes wrong, um, it's still of value because it's a shared learning experience. Um And then we do departmental meetings as well, just to finish off. So if there's the company meeting used to grow, 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 and it would be overwhelming. So like, look, if it's part of the business, say if it's marketing, is taking over our company meeting when we start talking about issues, then we just create a new meeting for it. And so it takes away. So it allows allows that company meeting to be really people focused and values focused. And the other things, yeah, so social things like that, like I will hold my hands up, I'm not actually the best at doing the social side of my, some of my clients are far better than me. So um, we had actually I interviewed uh, George's on my podcast uh, specifically about this and about stuff that he's done in his business to help bring the team together. So they have a cook off. And so they all got in like on Zoom. So everyone's in their own kitchens on Zoom, all cooking the same meal together and actually sit down and and have the meal together. And they do competitions Mm -hmm. and pub quizzes and um, they they all send boxes like a present. They all sit down and open the present together. So just like ideas of like basically just a shared experience, even though they're not actually sat in the same physical room.
1: Nice. Cool. OK, so that's how we kind of create a company um, culture and get everybody on the same hymn sheet. How Like, I think one of the other challenges people face when they get these teams up to the right level. And I've definitely been, been guilty of this is where. Well, one is kind of getting Zoomed out where it's like the idea of sitting on another meeting with a person, again, is like quite exhausting via Zoom. I don't know if you you feel like that. But also, how do you, how do you, I appreciate, it. I don't want to open up a, you know, an hour, three hour long conversation about this because uh, I know I've got a lot to say on the subject. But how do you delegate effectively to people to make sure that the work gets done to the right standards, the right levels? And once you've done that, how do you then give them feedback when it goes wrong?
0: Yeah, okay. Um, it is something I could talk a, long, a lot about because what I teach people to do generally. Yeah, um, in a nutshell, like it depends on what level of person you're talking about. I give you an example. So we talked about hiring earlier about like I just want to like make it clear that not all like I'm going to use the word here, even though I said I don't like it. Not all virtual assistants are made equal. Like there are good and there's bad people in any job market, and so. You've got to be constantly striving to hire A players. And that means you're going to kiss a few frogs along the way to get there. I don't care how good your recruitment process is. Some people, when they arrive and they work, they just don't fit in. They just don't actually show up and do the level of work that you want them to. And so you've got to be prepared for that. And so we reckon about sort of like one in four people you hire are proper A players. And the the other ones, you actually just need to be in that culture of, you know, um higher higher slow and fire fast and so i obviously not calling that phrase um but it's this idea of you know constantly be on the lookout for new a players and then get rid of the people that actually don't measure up and don't be complacent and don't think like just because of this is a virtual assistant again using that, that phrase that i should treat them any different from any other employee i've had people oh yeah they didn't show up for work today oh yeah they you know with with you know natural disasters aside because they do have some huge t- typhoons which knock out the telecommunications and stuff like that. fair enough, you can't you know they can't um do anything about that. but actually they can have a backup generator like my operations manager does because she knows it happens. She's also got a um a four g phone as a backup so she can always communicate with the team. So there are things that people can do proactively, but anyway, let's not get in there. so with um with that that side, if people aren't actually showing up if they're not performing at the level you would expect from anybody then consider actually just starting to hire, uh, you know, again. And so the reason I say all that is because the way we typically delegate to when we're growing the team, we're not talking about here, like you said, about this is not your first hire, whatever. Like we've got people in place and now we're trying to grow and scale the business. So bringing people in, if you're going to, if you want to hire somebody to replace somebody in a certain role or you, you want to be safe, it's a bit like the analogy of like a football team. Like, a good manager doesn't wait until that A-team a, a striker decide, gets bought out by another team before they start looking for their replacement. They have a bench, and that bench is fighting to get onto the A-team, to get on the pitch and show them what they can do. And so the, the idea is they're basically hiring and bringing up their skills and this culture and this these values like while they don't need it. And then when they need it, they've got the reserve. And if you think of it in that way with your business as well, It's like, so if you hire somebody, you train them up and they become, say, your operations manager. To then get somebody else in, you can assist that person who will be overworked, because everybody always is, as an operations assistant and then see how well they go. And so going back to your question about delegation, is that that person's already in the role, delegates down to elevate themselves up. So they're the one that actually uses the operation manuals and, and task boards and all the other things that that, I, that, that we, we need in place to do delegation properly. And then that means that you as the business owner aren't having to think about oh, how do I delegate X, Y, and Z, because it's already been done. And so that person can then come in and you, you get away from the fact that you as a business owner need to be the one reviewing and checking everything. You check that the existing team members work. You delegate new work to them at a higher level. And they're the one that then manages the existing work because they're the one that does it at the moment.
1: Hmm. So one of the a few questions on that. then. so one of the questions is: How do you know when the performance is if they're not a performer or they've got bad instructions?
0: <laughs> Good question. <laughs> I was going to be flipping my man, so I won't be. Um, so so make make instructions better was what, what I was going to say. And 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 actually, that is really it. It's like if someone it's someone like messes something up the first thing you've got to do is question your delegation like was it the fact that you weren't clear on what you did what you gave them now when you're when you're hiring people right at the beginning of your journey and you're literally just trying to just get some breathing room then i talk about using using recording what you do Giving that video to someone so they can do it and then getting them to document it in an, in an operations manual using we have something called the didact, a pro, a didact method, which means you catch every detail needed to do that task from start to finish without your involvement, mm-hmm. but without writing long-winded checklists and uh, step-by-step guides and all the rest of it, because that's, that's the old traditional way of doing it and it's broken and it takes too long to do, in my opinion. So having a quick video in a very structured way that allows you to delegate quickly and efficiently. So when um when you've delegated the uh, work in that way, then Josh, remind me of your remind me of your question because we're on a tangent. I don't want to go too far off.
1: My question is, and it's very specific to my own uh, situation at the moment. So um, I've got a new uh, virtual staff member, and she is performing like uh, well in some some areas, but in some areas she just seems to keep mishitting it and missing the point.
0: Yeah. Okay. And
1: it's like I'm just getting to a place where I'm like, well, is it bad instruction? Because I've done it via Loom. Um, I've not yeah. asked her to then type it out and that was going to be my next step. Or is it that she's maybe, uh, you know, not to the standard I needed to be? And that's what I'm trying to work out at the moment. Yeah. So how do you know, how do you like work that out in practice and, and work yeah. out where the issue is? Cool. Thank you.
0: Thank you for bringing me back on track. Yeah. So so okay. back
1: to the back to that, you need to have a really, really
0: solid way of creating that, of doing the delegation. So there's one thing just to record a loom and say, i oh, would do this. Or the, and then there's, there's, have I actually captured in that loom everything they need in order to do this work independently without coming back to me, without screwing things up? So the didact is what we do. And one of the parts of didact, the second, sorry, the C in didact, does anyone see? The C in didact is checks. And so, for example, it's like, what can this person do so they can actually check their own work before they hand it back to me wrong? So if this is an existing task, which is slightly different, and we can talk about if you like about how you delegate like a new project for someone to get on with, that's a different structure to, entirely. This is like if you're delegating something you currently do or someone your team currently does, and you want to give it to someone new. So by by having this checks and it's like, well, I do this anyway. I can show them what good looks like because I'm going to do it right now while I record this video of me doing it. And so you you at the end, you say, look, this is what your work should look like at the end. If it doesn't look like this, go back and do it again before you hand it in. And then if they make a mistake, it goes in your checks. So common mistakes people make, or they, you know, they miss to, or they uploaded the wrong type of file, or they missed to spell check it, or I know whatever it is that happens for that particular task, that goes in your check. And then it becomes basically a, I can't think of the right word, but like a disciplinary if they don't do it, because it's there in black and white. The Loom video is one part of effective delegation and it's incredibly effective, but mm. not unless you've got, and I don't mean when you say like, get them to write it out. We don't advocate writing out step-by-step guides or long-winded instructions because they get they collect dust. They never get updated. They're like they're, like they drag people Like Who else, who reads them more than once? Mm. But you do want a a quick information about this task, giving them so sort the of description. The inputs, the deliverables, the access, the checks, and the time—that is didact, and and checks is one of these key parts of understanding: is it them or is it me? Because if it's in the checks and they haven't done it, and they do that again, then it's them.
1: I think that's that's the that's how we close the loop. Because in fact, what um, she might listen to the episode she she does all the, the podcast so again. I'm, I am talking about you. But you've been, you know, it's like. I'm just trying to make sure you like we you get we get to the level you need to be. So far, it's been awesome, but I think um, what we're trying to do is is we want to. I think it's that loop. It's like how do we then say right, mistakes have been made here, and how do we then close that loop? And I think that's the answer. It's getting the checks in. So Joe, please just triple triple check that you've downloaded the bank state the bank lines for the last three periods. Have you just triple check all these th- these little bits and pieces? And I think that's a sign off. And then, you know, if the, if, you know, if the checks aren't being done, then it's like, okay, there's a fundamental problem. Yep. Cool. That's really useful. Thank you. Cause I think that's one of the, 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 the issues, um, that I see happen a lot is people come and they say, oh yeah, I've had, I had a VA and it just didn't work out. And it's like the first thing, um, that seems to always be the problem is they are just not delegated very, very well. And they've just expected miracles. In terms of delegation, do you have a policy on how you delegate? So, for example, do you just delegate on Slack? Do you just delegate on Asana? Or can you delegate on WhatsApp? Like, how do you, like, set a rule and that this is how we delegate stuff?
0: Absolutely. It's, like, rule number one. But but above anything else, I don't care if you don't record any videos, I don't care what you do, is your delegation for your own sanity for that person's ability to work effectively without having to procrastinate and think, what do I do next? It happens on a task board. And so that task board is in a task management app. We use Asana, and it's a Kanban-style board, really, like, it's more complicated, but in a simplest form, pending, priorities, in progress, done. And, like, just that alone now gives you total visibility and control over what someone is doing, what order they do it in if it's been started yet, when the due date should be done, who's it assigned to, who's who's accountable. And it gives a specific location for all communication about that specific task to be in one place. So we ban emails, we ban Slack messaging, we ban WhatsApp messaging. Anything about a task that's ever been delegated is communicated about that task. If I need to say, hey, Josh, I need your input on this urgently, can you check out task ID or link to task? It's not... Hey Josh, I've got a problem with the podcast. I'm looking for the solution. Blah 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 blah. Oh, by the way, it's on this task because you just told me what I need to tell you. So I'm going to be because I'm in a rush. I'll answer the question on the Slack channel. And now you've got communication in two places. Mm. So these policies about delegation are like fundamental to this working. And this is where most people screw up: is they get lazy or they're busy. Oh, you know, I just I just ping an email. So that's fine because actually, you know, if you're out and about. Opening up your task management app, putting a task in there, creating it is tedious and can get in the way of actually just getting on doing what you're doing. So if you do, I often delegate via voice note. What I say is, "Hey, Von, I really need to crack on with this. We create a task on your task build for the following." And so now, even though I've delegated it via a voice note or delegated it via Asana uh, by you know uh, email, it's now banged in where it should be in line with our company policies
1: amazing so you just made me happy because i was just thought i was gonna have to move away from voice notes there so as long as you said at the start uh can we add this to asana please then then we're cool Like, right? but as long as they do that and then every task gets put onto asana what if it's like you know it's a job that's going to take them 30 seconds you still want them to put onto there and then tick it off that's worth it for the the system to be complete
0: yeah i mean if, if it's a 30 second job that's never ever going to be done again and I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good example of what this might be, but but 90% of the work that you actually do in business actually will happen more than once. Yeah, And so therefore, actually documenting it, it does become value, even if the task only takes 30 seconds, because then it can be a periodic task that you do once every six months that only takes 30 seconds. But that goes into your regular recurring tasks columns for you know periodic work. And if it's a daily, a weekly, or monthly, then it goes into the appropriate place. So like... Having this, this task board allows you, once you start building it up, gives you a place to see every single thing that's ever happening in your business ever and knowing who's responsible for it. And so if this is that say, 30 second task, well, if it literally will never happen again, it's like, hey, will you just call my mom until I'm going to be late because I can't get through? Probably not. But, you know, you, you know, give me some examples,
1: it. but you get the idea. <laughs> yeah, I get the idea. Yeah, I totally get it. Um, So one of the other issues that i found and that i think other people can find particularly when they're working with virtual workers um in the philippines is and you may say this is not the case but my experience has been they can be quite agreeable in that you're kind of explaining something to them and they go yep yep understood yep understood and it's like then you get off the call and it's just like then it's like that conversation hasn't happened or they've not understood it or they can't actually do it in the time frame that you've asked that they can do it and it's like what happened then? I think it's just the politeness and agreeableness of them wanting to to serve. How do you have you had that experience? And how do you manage that in practice?
0: Yeah, definitely. And and that is one of the challenges of working with um the culture of the Philippines. And a lot of it I've talked a lot with my staff about this. And some of it becomes basic because of the hierarchical structure of, of sort of um uh, like authority there. And so actually when someone asks you to do something. Uh, and you're at a lower level, so to speak, then the answer is yes. And and that is a real problem when you come from a culture where actually what you really value is pushback and actually challenging and you want people to actually say, mm, I don't think that's going to work or I haven't got time to do that. Because that's the reality and that's what's going to happen anyway. So you might as well know about it up front. Yeah. You know, whereas what you just described is really, really common isn't that you, yeah, 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 nod, 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 fine. A week later you're like, where the hell was that thing I asked them to do? And it's, you know, for whatever reason. And so there's a great book actually called um it's okay to it's okay to manage your boss. I can't remember the author, unfortunately, but it's okay to manage your boss. And he's got a sister book called It's OK to be the boss. And that it's okay to manage your boss is a really good tool to share with people from the Philippines to read and as part of their professional development because it empowers them to realize that for them to actually be valued in the company they have to start taking their responsibility of ownership of work more seriously and realize that the boss does not know what he's doing mm-hmm. and just because he's the boss just because he owns the company it's like you got to like they've got to understand that like our heads are in a million different pots at any one time like we are thinking about you know like you're talking about growing from six seven figures whatever we're thinking about the acquisition, or we're thinking about the you know the new podcast launch or the new course, and like what's happening day to day, we just hope it's going to get done sometimes because we've delegated it. And then so what happens? And we're going back before about really effective delegation. This plays into this 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 culture of actually understanding what I need. This is from the book. Understanding what I need to perform at a high level. So when someone delegates something to you, like say you know example, oh, can you go in and. Um, I know I've got this great idea. I'm always full of great ideas. I've got this great idea for the podcast. What I want you to do is to create five short-term short short uh, video clips for every single episode that we do. I want you to put B-roll on them. I want you to know, you know, mimic Alex hormozy or whatever. You know, create something like that and get it out there. Great, like, get on with it. And and then it's yeah yeah no problem. And then it doesn't happen. So what the way to we we do we do this is about is creating a project vision board for any new project that we want to delegate where it's not something we've already done, where it's a a new concept or idea, or we're dabbling with the idea of trying something new. And the project vision board is about communicating your, well, your vision for the project, funnily enough, but it's it's sort of like, um, not sort of like, it is a really structured um, method for getting out of your head, you know, what is the business case for this? Does it fit in line with our uh, three month, six month, twelve month, ten year targets or whatever? You know, um, who will benefit from it? Who's or who are the stakeholders? I should say. What are the benefits to those stakeholders? What are the what are the challenges this is overcoming? What are the what is my like concept for this right now? Or whoever's coming to the project, like what am I already? What have I already thought and learned about this that I can share at this point to give it more context, and then. Do we have the resources available to actually make this happen? And that's the key one. It's like, because when you, you're going through is yeah, 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 Jane can do this. But then Jane needs to have the confidence to say, I can, Steve, but not unless you get rid of something else off my workload. And it's that point, you then have to look at the value of this new idea in the context of knowing how it benefits the company all the rest of it with actually what you're already tasking this person to do. And that will then dictate is this a good point to then hire somebody new for either this project? Or what we often do is we'll give new projects to existing staff and then get the existing staff to delegate work down, again, delegate down to elevate up. And that's much, much easier for the reasons I talked about before, because your existing staff do a lot of the hard work with managing of the new staff and delegation of the work.
1: And when you bring a new team member on, in terms of training for that team member, are you in a place where most things are there's videos there's delegation like that you've got all all these systems in place, Just right start just assigning them tasks on a task management of software or do you have a process for you spending time with them like, you know watching their work like how do you actually do that in practice and get them up to like world-class standard as standard as like as quickly as you can
0: yeah um good question so yes we have lots and lots of documentations and systems that's sort of what i what i do and i love um but in a nutshell, when someone comes in, I actually just recorded um, a podcast episode, which will go live in probably the same time as this one. Yeah, uh, the audience know will... what your
1: podcast is called.
0: Oh, Systemize Your Success. Oh, cool. Thank you. So I literally just did a 25-minute episode about onboarding staff, which is which is what I'm going to summarize in about a minute. Uh, so basically, the key thing here is when somebody comes into your business, you've just gone through this whole, like, like however... Fantastic! Your recruitment process is. I hope it's like really systemized, so you can repeat it and you set people up for for success. You want people to come in thinking this company's amazing, and hopefully your recruitment process starts that by then making them jump through hoops to actually work for the position. But then when they arrive on day one, if they arrive to chaos or disorganization, or oh yeah, I'll get back to you tomorrow, or hey, nice to, nice to meet you, uh, I'll ping some I'll ping some work your way this week which is like so common what I see when people are working with with virtual assistants, which is again, why I don't like the idea of the term because it puts this mindset anyway. And so instead we have a set of standard onboarding guides and tasks for every single employee to do. Just like if you went and worked for a big organization or when I worked as a doctor, my first day in the hospital, when I moved from one hospital to the next, was spent doing the core mandatory training. And it's that kind of idea, but we try and make it more practical than some of the stuff that I've had to sit through in the years. And so when this person arrives, the way we train our um, people who work with us, our clients, is they they manage their tasks in a certain way using a task management app. They um, delegate, they communicate in a certain way. They use certain apps for sharing access and giving people um, uh, everything they need to be able to do the work. And so we've created a set of core mandatory training about how you work together, how you communicate, how you're going to be delegated work, where you should ask for help, the policies around you know communication, how, all that stuff, which is basically the how to work collaboratively in this organization. Like what meetings you're going to be uh, needing to attend, why you attend those meetings, when is your welcome meeting, you know, all these sorts of things, which which basically mean that this person now, before you've delegated a single task to them, has an idea of how the company's structured what its values and mission are, because that's part of, of it as well, who's in the teams, how they're going to actually get – Where all that sort of stuff is actually part of that initial training. And that is, like, what sets you aside or apart, sorry. That's what sets you apart from, like, 99% of small businesses. Because
1: I think I think it's 99% of most businesses. I always remember this story that stuck with me is someone shared with me once that they started a new job. Their manager didn't know they were coming that day they didn't have a a computer, a desk or a chair. And then I was was just (laughs) like, you around the office for a day. It's like, how welcome do you actually feel when that happens? So I remember we changed our system. So like, so people got that warm welcome, like, here's your training, here's what you're going to do. Yeah. Like when you get though, because obviously you've got that core training um, and that's, yeah, that's a lot of building. What you build it once, it's done and then, you know, you can keep using it and using it. But when you're like three months in and mistakes are being made, what do you do then? Is it like, do you have one-to-ones for feedback or do you have like, do you book in like a, you know, a, a few hours just to sit and shadow the work? Like how, how what, what would your approach be then just to get performance up to where it needs to be?
0: Yeah. So um, two things. So one of the things, one of the key parts of that initial onboarding is their welcome meeting. Yeah. On that welcome meeting, apart from going through the job, job role and the company culture and all the rest of it and the mission and the vision all that, we book your first one-to-one. And those one-to-ones are every single week for the rest of your employment. They are non-negotiable. They happen every week. They're half an hour and they have a strict agenda. It's a time for you as the employee to talk about what you need to talk about at that given point in time. So when I start those meetings, this is borrowed from Mark Horstman, The Effective Manager, which is another great book. Um, And when I start those meetings, I simply say, over to you, nothing else. Shut my mouth and wait. And whatever comes out of that person's mouth next is the topic that we talk about. And that happens for about the first ten sometimes even 15 minutes of every single meeting every single week and that just a couple of things one is it gives you it it changes the the, the relationship very quickly of one of I'm here to be told what to do and I'm going to do my job to one of I'm here and this manager if you're if, so you only do this with the people you directly manage so so my manager Is listening to me, is concerned enough to actually think about what I actually want to, you know, talk about, and is there every single week to help. And that meeting also has the opportunity for giving feedback, which you should really do as soon as possible every day. And again, Mark Horstman has a brilliant feedback model in the same book, The Effective Manager. And we we've adapted that and uh, adopted that. Sorry, and it works really well. So giving feedback as soon as you can. But this meeting is a really good place to give feedback, especially if it's slightly more challenging. You want to do it sort of one-to-one or you don't want to send a voice note or a video, ideally. And because you do this every single week, and we do things, for example, we have task board reviews where we actually go through tasks and if the things are being flagged up as being wrong, this is the opportunity. So we don't wait for these problems to occur. They are part of our routine of, of proactively looking for areas where improvements could be made. And we want that to come from them. Even the best employees, we want them to be improving. And so there is something we call sharpen with ease, which is about them identifying tasks that they're doing where there's room for improvement. So even if we haven't really got anything massively problematic with somebody, we still want them to go through the same process of actually improving themselves and and their work. So it all boils down to having these scheduled meetings again using the task board to a task board management system which is all around that um and then actually just keeping to it and it's one of the biggest pushbacks to get actually from from new business owners who are taking on staff is but i haven't got time i haven't got time to do a half an hour meeting every week with every single staff member but the time it saves you is massive mm. because this person now has somewhere every single week they know they can talk to you so all of those and those you know little bits of conversations and the ping messages and all that it just disappears and alongside the meetings i discussed before if you have daily stand-ups company meetings department meetings and these it sounds like a lot but literally i probably get slack messages direct from me except for urgent stuff like oh i've lost access to your facebook or something i need need a six-digit code which i have to do in real time except for that it's like it's almost not zero but it's almost zero because there's a time and a place for every conversation so yeah
1: amazing just going to finish with one kind of bonus uh question if you like which is something that that, that i do not know the answer to um and this is basically came from uh getting you on the podcast and get you set up on the podcast are you have you effectively managed to find a way for somebody else to manage your whatsapp now yeah and do you mind sharing how <laughs> yeah um no i mean i don't mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> no
0: it's a secret no it's set actually the,
1: set the context like yeah it, I, i've delegated on. emails a long time ago and emails get kind of managed and that's that's brilliant but my whatsapp is always very busy and uh yeah i've got a i got ai think i sent you a voice note with kind of context around the podcast and somebody said oh thank you very much i'll pass it on to steve I was like mm, nice uh so like, like how have you got that set up and what yeah. like, are there actually benefits to it like how because in my head if i've got someone managing my whatsapp i'd still need to look at majority of the messages anyway so are you finding why are you getting the well yeah good question i mean clients yeah i mean good good question i don't know it's probably just a a limited belief or a yeah preconceived idea
0: yeah okay so whether it's emails uh whatsapp uh, social media messaging so you know facebook LinkedIn, whatever i don't deal with any of that front line anymore somebody deals with it and there's a big big reason for that so work A lot of work is generated by incoming traffic through whatever means it is. And there's a lot of noise as well. And then there's some stuff that you actually need to, to respond to personally. But what I don't want to do is be distracted by the work which actually someone else can manage, the noise or anything else. I just want to know what I need to actually respond to. And so whatever channel it is, by having someone in the middle, yeah, it slows down, like, uh, arguably a little bit. So you, if, you, if you're if you really waiting for something important, of course, you can look at it. It's not like you don't have the ability, but it just means that I never have to unless I want to. And it allows then when work comes in, or when, sorry, when messages come in, my comms assistant, we have a set. It's called the Unified um, Inbox Management System. And this is, like, one of the key things we set up with people once we work with them and got the, the basics in place because it saves, like, hours of it every, every person's day of manager or uh, of a insurance day. And, the, and this is like it, a message comes in and that person then has a set of rules and guidelines of do I respond to this directly? Have I got the knowledge, know-how? Is it an FAQ? What If I don't, who does it need to go to to get the answer? Or is it something that actually we need to generate a task for to do? So, hey, can you pay this invoice? There'll be a, a generate, will generate a task within someone's task board who that's meant to be assigned to Go and pay this invoice. Or, hey, I've got a question. Okay, I don't know the answer to this, but this sounds like the operation manager will know. We'll create a task in a task board, in it, which actually has, it's called Unified Inbox, and that's where that task is then assigned to the operations manager to come and respond, which is then dealt with. And so by doing this, you're creating this, this, this gateway well, this 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 what's the word on my foot like yeah gateway gatekeeper, gatekeeper. gatekeeper yeah, yeah who's who's basically like passing the the work or the messages to the appropriate place or person or to the bin and so that just takes away like 95 if not more percent of anything i ever see so for and example so-
1: with with whatsapp so for example i sent you a whatsapp around um what we're going to talk about in this podcast voice you note know, your um va came back sorry the VA. your comms assistant came yeah. back and said um, thank you very much i'll pass it on to steve so what does that what do they do does she leave it unread or does she put it onto that on that on that board or does you, like how does that yes. bit work so, like, so we, i mean in its simplest
0: simplest terms then that goes on to our unified inbox board assigned to me to action that's the simplest with urgent stuff like this because the podcast was happening in an hour then i would have got a um a slack message to say hey steve there's a really urgent message for you about the podcast happening today So we have escalation policies for certain things. In that context, I actually had WhatsApp open on my screen because we were in the middle of a conversation and I saw it come in. And then I saw her message come in nine minutes later. And I hadn't, because I hadn't, if I'd, if I'd put a thumbs up on it, like I had done, then she would have known I'd seen it. She wouldn't have needed to. But now that went back into the system thinking she'd think I'd missed it. Mm -hmm. Then she learned. So if you, if you, in in a scenario where, you know, I'm not there, you know, because, um, because I can still do out message outgoing messages myself if I want to like I was this morning I listened to your message that you sent me and I sent you a, a voice message back so it's not that I'm totally it like I don't have the ability to do this it's just I choose when to when to Yeah,
1: I it, get means it. I it gets missed I That's get the, the value point. I'm just trying to work out I just want to know how, how I do it in practice yeah okay and... so really pr- practical steps two things yeah well, firstly
0: separate business and personal Done. doesn't matter if it's whatever channel it is yeah your social media is for business from now on yeah. If you want to have a separate personal profile, set one up. But social media is business. WhatsApp is business. If you need to have a personal WhatsApp, then have a personal WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. Email is business. If you need to have a personal email, have a personal email. Like so, separate out your life. Like that is the first fundamental thing to make this easy, because then you don't have to look at it. Because like you said, if 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 there's stuff in there that you know that you know only you, because it's like your mates text you or stuff like that, it this this doesn't work so well. Because yeah. you'll drag it back in, then you get distracted. And one of the big benefits of this, like I mentioned before, is, is removing all distraction. And so that's the first thing. So practical speaking, separate business and personal. Second thing is for WhatsApp, you need a business account because then you can link up to four devices. Yeah. And you basically can, your QR code. So basically your, um, your assistant, your comms assistant, will share their screen during a meeting. Your QR code zap their screen, and then they've got access to it. So that's the easiest way. The other way is to use an like our, our CRM, for example. We we have WhatsApp integrated into our CRM and so therefore all the messaging that goes out between ourselves and our clients and our leads and everything goes through our CRM which was linked to my business WhatsApp account and then they and then my assistant has a user access into the CRM and then they've communicate via the CRM
1: and for like groups that you're in like do you just kind of what's your policy on them because they could just be chatter that you kind of want to know about but you wouldn't necessarily need to action so is it just Steve just so you know there's been a lot of chatter can you just- just check through or is it like here's a screenshot of all the messages for your information? Like, like, cause on that, it's like version of noise, but also for me, I would worry I'd miss something important in some of the groups that I'm in, which are more like work related groups. So when you're next on the toilet, (laughs)
0: you open your WhatsApp and you go through the groups that you want to have a look at all my groups. Like if you're thinking about property networking groups, all those sorts of things, all my groups like that are all on my personal. Oh. and that means my staff aren't seeing all that noise and because now and again like I, yeah like i say i'll just go in and just like you know when i've got five minutes um and then i'll go through and just like you know just jump in and just be sociable but if it is potential for you know lead generation or people asking questions and you want to actually make sure you don't miss anything i've moved into business so you just got to make that decision about do i want my team involved in this is there value to it or is it actually just going to create work for the sake of work and like you just described then a policy about dealing with your groups. You have to explain your vision of how you want this to work. It's not like you can have a consistent game, go and manage my WhatsApp. This is a process. Like We have like a number of supporting documents to make this actually function properly. FAQs are one, policy documents, staff roles and responsibilities, uh, escalation policies. Like, all of these things line up to make this work efficiently. So that's how we do it.
1: Have you got any final sentiments before we finish? Anything you want to share with the audience before we uh we sign off? Yeah, I, I guess I will also say one
0: thing. And it's really going back to what I was saying before, and it's just about this idea that a lot of people have is pigeonholing into into virtual assistants and, and and not to really go over all ground, but I think it's it's over the past few years, I went from a, I think I think I thought I believed it to actually like it being just part of who I am. Like I believe it's so, Like the success I've seen with my clients is exceptional. And, and what other people can do, and regardless, I don't care, they're not like victims or not, but other people as a small business owner, it, it's really hard sometimes for us to realize how much we need to remove ourselves in order for our businesses to grow. There's no business that's grown significantly where the owner still does anything significant. And that is like a huge mindset shift. And every business goes through this. It's just that most never get there. Like most businesses fail, as we all know. And it's because people don't break out of this. And like for me as a coach, who created my own methodology, who like has like lived and breathed something for so long and taught people one-on-one and then in group coaching and then recorded all the rest of it. To then get my virtual assistant based in the Philippines to start teaching this stuff and coaching my clients on our foundation program was like, the game changer for me. It suddenly opened my eyes to what was truly possible. So that's why I invite for other people to to think about, like, what are the, if only I could, and then fill that gap with what you want to get rid of and find someone to do it for you.
1: Steve, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's always lovely to catch up with you. I love speaking to you because I just love your uh, your sister's mindset, the way you think about stuff. It's just like a whole other level. Yeah, it's just always so refreshing. Um, you've come so far in the last seven years. I know you're actually... Making such a difference to all these businesses and these companies you're working with. And I think most people would benefit from literally rewinding this episode and listening to it again. This is one I'm going to listen to in the shower because I've written loads of notes, but I need to. I, well, I listen to all my podcasts in the shower for anyone who doesn't know, but I'm going to not, listen to Not just to this the ones one. with me, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Did, well, I'm going to listen to this one again because it's just been so much high value stuff in there for me personally. And I know for the audience, it will be uh, an absolute game changer. Thank you so much for giving up some of your precious time. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on board. And if anyone wants to reach out to you, where can they find you? What's the best place to follow you or, or find out what you're up to moving forward?
0: Yeah. As this is a podcast, then please check out my podcast, Systemize Your Success, which is where I talk about all the stuff in great detail. And if you want to find me, go to my website, systems.com and outsourcing.com systems and outsourcing.com at the bottom of the page there's links to all my uh, social and get get on the phone and all the rest of it amazing thank you very much cool thank you so